Hello. Hello, Audrey. How are you? Good. How are you? Fantastic. Happy Monday. Yes, it is. Every day is a good day when you get up. So what's your day been like today? Did y'all go back at it today? We did. We did. So um, actually today for me was kind of calm. So (laughs) just let everybody else in the office do their thing. So well, that's awesome. I mean, because ours was just absolutely insane today. Um, it, we had two people who potentially were exposed over the weekend. Um, we had another young lady who actually went and got her vaccination today and then came back, I think, and only to have some abdominal unrelated completely unrelated uh, things um, that had happened from that. And then it just, you know, just one of those crazy, crazy days things. And we were really shorthanded today on top of everything else. So it's just, we're, you know, I'm, I was amazed. Yeah. I got done. It's never good on the first day back. No, it's not, you know, and, and I feel like I was telling somebody earlier today, this holiday season for some reason felt different only in the fact that I, I guess it was the timing of the days. I didn't get nearly as much stuff accomplished before I came back to work that I typically do. I usually have got it all basically figured out and done when I get back. And this yeah. one I got here was like, holy, I haven't done anything. You know, like, <laughs> oh my gosh, what am I going to do? So yeah. I think it was the bittersweet of like it just how it fell on the weekend. You know, you're like, oh, I still have my weekend. So the like the holidays, they felt long and then short at the same time. So right, right. Yeah, that's that's what was kind of crazy about it. You are exactly correct. Yeah. So, I'm going to get my second, uh, I'm going to be completely vaccinated here on Friday. So since you said your staff member went, I'm pretty pumped about that. So I'm going to get my second shot on uh, Friday. Be excited about that. See, I think I'm, my second one is coming. I got mine done this past Wednesday. So I won't get my okay. second one done, I guess, for another 12 or 13 days. I can't remember exactly when it is my pharmacist has got it all figured out. He told me, he, he said, he'd just <laughs> let me know. So, um, and he actually came to the office to inject us, um, you know, which was, Oh, that's really great. great. Yeah. And, uh, that made it a lot easier. So, so what kind of side effects did you have, if any? Uh, I just, my arm was sore for a oh, few yeah. days on the first shot. Um, I will, I got Pfizer. Um, my husband just got a shot, uh, Saturday. He got Moderna. So same thing. He just had a sore arm. Um, so we'll see what happens Friday. Um, a really good friend of mine, she's a PA up in Northern Indiana and a good friend of hers was in the clinical trial for Pfizer. And she said on the second shot, she actually had like flu like symptoms for about 12 hours. Um, you know, she said she slept through it, took some Tylenol and stuff. It wasn't anything bad. So we'll see how after Friday goes, I'll let you know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I have heard that the second round, you do get a little bit more potential side effects, but you know, I, I, I felt fine after the first one. I mean, yeah. I, just, I had a little sore arm. That was it. So oh, it, it was a lot more than a little sore arm. It felt like getting a tetanus shot. I was, that was what I <laughs> I mean, golly, every no, time I, I, I said, I, you know, mine woke me up that night. I rolled over and I was like, ow, but <laughs> exactly, exactly. So, oh, minimal to the side effects of certain people who get COVID. So maybe that's why I'll undermine it to being small side effects. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> Welcome to the Vision of Leadership podcast. I'm your host, Ted McElroy. 
This podcast is dedicated to helping you find your wins, have a better quality of life, and become the best leader you can be. Hey, have you subscribed to this podcast yet? Don't miss an episode. They're worth every single thing you paid for them, which is nothing because they're free. I invite you to subscribe to the podcast by hitting the subscribe button. Give us a rating and a review on your specific podcast player. This helps us with our podcast rankings and makes it easier for people to find us. And as always, please support those who help support us. episode 102 of this podcast, Chris interviewed Justin Kwan, Michelle Andrews, and Richard Ruth. They pointed out that as a profession, we have done a great job of letting our patients know that myopia is not a big deal. If you can see 2020, there is no worry. It is the high myopes that are more danger. And as they said, that message is tragic. Any myopia has a higher risk of maculopathy, glaucoma, and earlier cataract development. In the MySight one-day clinical trials, only 4% of study participants who got ProClear one-days stayed stable in their myopia progression over the three-year period. That means you can confidently say, parent, by not going to a system geared to slow the myopia progression, there is a 96% chance your child's vision will get worse. This may take away some of the choice your child has in the future as to how they will correct their vision. Choice not fear of the disease associations with myopia is what best resonates with parents when it comes to myopia control for their children. And with CooperVision's MySight One Day, we now have an FDA-approved single-use contact lens to lessen the progression of myopia in our patients. Contact your CooperVision representative to find out more about MySight One Day contact lenses. Welcome to the Vision of Leadership podcast. I'm your host, Ted McElroy, and I am really excited today to have as my guest, Audrey Nelson. Audrey is the COO for Vision, Vision Quest uh, Eye Care in the greater Indianapolis area. Uh, they've got done some really inc- impressive things in the last couple of years, many of which we're going to touch on. And if we have time, I wanted to sort of talk about their new office they've just completed not too long ago. Uh, which is which is uh, really phenomenal. We got a chance to talk about it. Audrey and um, two of the partners in the practice are in an idea sharing group that I'm in uh, that we go to Houston. Well, we used to go to Houston. Now we all do it virtually. Uh, <laughs> speaking of which, Audrey, and, and welcome to the podcast. But uh, Audrey, you. do you remember what it was like uh, February the 28th? when we were all making fun of this thing that just seemed so silly. And I mean, and can you believe that was, you know, that was just seven years ago? No, I, I know. Right. I, I, cause I recall, um, having, uh, that joyous, uh, plane ride with Dr. Browning and sitting next to masks that that thing were like, Oh, they're wearing a mask. Like it's no big deal. Why are they wearing a mask? And, we sit by the one person on the plane who's wearing a mask and I, I believe getting off and he's like that dude coughed on the back of your head like 365 times. I counted every single one and we were just laughing, you know, and it was like, ha ha ha. And wow. January uh, 4th here, 2021. It's crazy. I know. And, and, you know, in that same weekend, uh, a bunch of us, we all went out to this kind of this Dave and Buster's kind of place. And there was a, 
hundreds and hundreds of people roaming around, touching the same basketballs. I mean, first of all, you were just absolutely tearing up that basketball machine, by the way, I'll, I'll have to say. Uh, putting the lights <laughs> My proudest moment of that Houston trip, by the way. That was phenomenal. It was incredible. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, you know, and, and then to go from that. So just, I guess to start off, can you tell me one thing that you have gleaned out of the last um 12 11 months what what something that you've that you've added that you will you'll continue to keep doing something like that yeah you know i think a gleaning moment i read somewhere the other day you know how 2020 it's like the year of eye care you know all of us that work in the eye care business like we waited our whole lifetime and we had to live up to all the people that were before us right um and all the marketing and the ideas. And really it was a year for us of refocus. Um, so it was definitely an eye-opening year, maybe yeah. not the year of vision like we had envisioned it to be. Um, however, it was certainly eye-opening. And you know, one of the things that we have done, um, and I'm so extremely proud of you know, the team at Vision Quest and the people I get to work with because the resilience of everybody, um, you know, when the the world stopped March 17th and we had to close, you know, for 17 weeks and our 17, seven weeks, uh, excuse me. Um, and you know, the fear of the unknown at that point was, was very high and, um, coming back and, you know, at vision quest, we were very much about the patient experience. And we're like, how are we going to do this with COVID? We, we have to keep people distance, you know, not get too close, you know, the safety of our staff, the safety of our patients. Um, so one of the things that we did, and honestly, Ted, I think it won't go away is um, we've done direct ship of our glasses to our patients. Um, so we are uh, shipping directly to our patients. Our patients absolutely love it. It was phenomenal. They're like, yes, just deliver them straight to my house. That's perfect. Um, and we do curbside delivery. So we have signs and designated parking spots set up now for curbside delivery to keep, you know, so we could still adjust glasses outside, you know, have people pick up product that didn't want it directly delivered to them, which is fine. Um, but we wanted to keep the masses out of the office. We felt that was the best thing for the patients and our staff to reduce the amount of people in our office at one time, but yet not really cut down on the level of care we were able to provide. So is the front door locked? to your office or, um, you know, the front door stayed locked for about 10 weeks, but it is not now. No. Um, we still, we have very, uh, large signs on, we do, um, you have to call us before you come in and we do a virtual check-in. Um, however, the door is not locked though. So. Yeah. That's similar to what we're doing as well. And I've got a couple of signs out front telling people to, you know, call us before. And, kind of funny we when we unlocked the door we didn't tell anybody we had unlocked the door but nobody's coming in just on their own and that's you know it's kind of everybody's gotten into that kind of mindset i think when you go to the doctor it doesn't matter what kind of doctor you're going to that's just kind of how it works um so it's it's a very much a shift change and you know one thing i think that we're going to continue to keep let's let's say that this whole vaccine thing works great and I hope it does. It truly does. I mean, I've just, you and I were talking about it a moment ago. I've you're got your second coming up. I've got my second one coming up. Um, you know, I hope that everyone will go out and get this thing. Um, you know, if I, if you get nothing else from this podcast today, please go get your vaccination. Um, you know, it's kind of the right thing to do, but you know, flu, cold flu season's coming back around. And so, mm -hmm. you know, I think that, you know, if nothing else, we've learned this is a good way to control some of that kind of stuff. Um, you know, so hopefully, 
you guys have had a pretty easy go of it in your office too, not having to really have a lot of people out with it yet. How's that gone? Yeah. I mean, we've been so lucky. We have only had one. Um, we have a staff of uh, 35 across all three of our locations. Um, and we've only had one positive um, and that, and it happened outside of the office. So it luckily was around Thanksgiving. So um it happened while they were out of the office, became symptomatic because they were on some PTO. Um, but we really only had one staff member test positive for COVID. So um, the protocols are certainly tight in our offices. Um, we were probably, we, we've had a couple other patients from the other medical field and they're like, wow, you're certainly very diligent here. Uh, we, we certainly appreciate that, you know, and telling us how strict some of our protocols are, but it's kept us safe. So um, I don't see us lightening up on that until hopefully, yes, people get their vaccines and we can start to see this, you know, virus kind of go away. Um, when that is, time will tell. But until then, you know, we're certainly going to continue being diligent on the protocols that we have in the office by, you know, making pay- virtual check-ins, eliminating um, so many people in the office at one time. And, you know, at the same time, also separating our staff, you know, and coaching and talking to our team members about safe behaviors outside of the office. We, we, we do everything we can to uh, keep the office safe. Um, but I'm really proud of our team members because I think they are being very diligent outside of the office as well and making good decisions. We're having a similar story here. We've only had one positive test. Unfortunately, it was me. Um, so, <laughs> and, uh, and, and I think it happened in a period similar to what your situation was. I got in, I got exposed when I was away from the office. Uh, my diagnosis came in before I came back. So I just stayed away and, you know, nobody else really was exposed. We potentially may have two, like I said earlier today that mm-hmm. may be testing positive. So we'll find out hopefully tomorrow what their situation is. Um, you know, one of the things I, I really wanted to dig into today, you have the role of chief operations officer, and that is something that's a little bit unique to most of eye care. So explain to everybody, what is a chief operations officer? How did you get deemed this title? Uh, what kind of preparation uh, that, what, I mean, this is, it's really, a, I mean, an unusual type of thing for most practices. It really is. I'll be honest, but I, I didn't hear the role of chief operating officer a lot in my, I've been in the eye care industry for 15 years. And before I got the title at Vision Quest Eye Care, it was not commonly a position in private practice optometry. Um, so I believe I have a, not, not a plug or anything, but one of the wisdom sharing meetings that Dr. Browning and Dr. Noel were at um, in, for Vision Source um, kind of talked about, you know, new roles and ways to grow the practice and you know, some administrative help. And that's where they really developed the chief operating officer um, role and just and job description. Um, what do I do? A little bit of everything, to be honest. <laughs> so, um, you know, I, one of the things that I was tasked to do is, especially at our practice in Vision Quest Eye Care, um, like I said, I, I've come from corporate optometry, um, and Vision Quest was looking to grow, um, had Dr. Browning and Dr. Noel had aspirations um, to grow the practice and to take the practice in a little bit of a different direction than they had been going with their practice administrator. Um, and they're fantastic doctors and, and they know that and they're very good at the doctor part of everything, but they really lack some um, optical um you know, knowledge and running a, an efficient optical floor and 
truly someone to help with um, leadership development, office management, as far as, you know, developing the people inside our practice. So for me, um, my my main roles um, when I came in were really taking over um, the optical floor and, and really looking at the way our practice and things that we did in our practice, um, were we running as efficiently as we could? Um, what little things could we do to make the patient experience better um, and make us more profitable in what we were doing? And um, so that started on the optical floor, looking at our opticians, the way we were talking to patients, selling glasses, you know, the labs that we use, vendor relationships, um, partnering with vendors, you know, to make sure we were getting the best deals um, and what product mix was right for our patient base and for our practice. Um, then, you know, looking at the rest of the operations, you know, our techs, how do we work people up? How much time does it take? How, um, you know, where can we enhance the patient experience? And we're very big at Vision Quest Eye Care and enhancing the patient experience. Um, here in the greater Indianapolis area, uh, I think you can find an eye care, you know, eye doctor every three miles if you wanted to. So competition is um, is very big. It's very tight. So we needed patients not to come to us because their insurance necessarily told them to, but that they wanted to come to us because they got something that they didn't get from a previous eye doctor. Um, so I focused on that. Um, that's one of my big, it's still to this day. Um, that's one of my biggest things that I do for the practice and kind of my ownership and accountability in the practice. And, else do I do? Um, I really, one of the things that I think is big, and I knew you were going to ask me this question. So I was like, what does the CEO do? You know, and I have a list of things I think I do, but I wanted to ask other members of our practice, our associate ODs. And it's like, what do you think I do? And really the biggest addition, we have uh, four associate docs and two owners that also practice um, in our practice. And one of the biggest things I do is um, I'm like the communication liaison. So from the admin level to the practice level. So really making sure that the communication, that our focuses, um, things that we're working on, our improvement, you know, being able to involve multiple parties in what we're doing. Um, I get to be that communication liaison between the associate docs and, you know, the management team and our associates to really make sure that we're creating the best experience for our patients in the practice. And I get to share those things with, you know, Chris and Terry, the two owners. So with that role, I mean, are you more of a buffer or a conduit or, I mean, how, I mean, how does, you know what I mean? I, I, I'm, I'm trying to, to look at this from a standpoint of how do you maintain that level of communication flowing through where you're also not just standing in the way between two groups of people? Yeah. Um, it's a, it's a little bit of both, to be honest. Um, I, you know, we're, we're a practice that wants to do and change. We're always looking at what little things can we do that we can do better. And, um, in the practice, you know, my role in that communication is things just move faster when one person, I'm not stuck in an exam lane all day. So it doesn't take me, you know, two days to relay a message, you know, to 30 different people. Um, it doesn't take me time to schedule out a conversation that needs to happen, you know, immediately or to get feedback in the practice. So, um, you know, 
probably not going to say this correctly or how I want to say this, but you know, being able to communicate quicker with multiple people just allows thought processes. And when we decide we want to go with something or implement something, it just happens a lot faster um, with myself kind of leading that conversation um, because both the owners in our practice are very active in practicing eye care as well. So a lot of, you know, ideas, I think everybody it's ideas are great, but if you can't implement them, that's the problem. So my job is really taking those great ideas and, and putting them into action. So when, when you guys were formulating this role and looking at it, what were the, some of the first things um, that Dr. Browning and Dr. Null said, um, okay, that's just, that's not, that's not something I need to be doing anymore. That's not something I need to be, I need to be touching. Uh, yeah, optical was honestly the first thing that came off their plates. Um, neither one of them had the time, you know, or really understood um, vendor relationships on there or what frames and, you know, making the most profitable on what we were carrying with vision plans, you know, and what we should do. So that was the first thing is, here's what we do, make us more profitable on the optical floor, take the knowledge that you have. And I want to worry less about buying frames or what it is. I want you to take that and, you know, make us more effective and profitable on the optical floor. So then you, you get this role. How, how did they find you? That's the other thing. I mean, I, I know a little bit about your, you, you the actually kind of unusually, you left a larger practice setting as far as more locations to come. I'm sure your role increased greatly when you, when you came to vision quest, but you left a larger organization to come to vision quest. So you obviously brought some, some expertise and knowledge there, but how did they find you? How, what were the qualifications that made you a COO versus just an office manager? I guess. I mean, not that there's anything wrong with, I mean, cause I yeah, wouldn't no. that job either. I'll be honest. Uh, I think timing is everything. Um, so I will say that, um, you know, a large, the larger organization I was at, I, I was ready to, to do something else. Um, and I, I put feelers out to really some vendors that, you know, I traveled around to 12 different locations, um, as a district manager, and I was ready to do a little bit more. And, um, you know, I'd been doing that for, three, three and a half years, um, and just was ready to try something new. And so I put some feelers out to some vendors and to people I knew. And at the, I identically at the same time, um, vision quest had lost their practice administrator. And so they had just come back from a meeting in Texas, um, and decided that, Hey, you know, this is a role we want. This is what we're going to do. Um, and you know, who do we go and find? And, just so happened in, in a very short amount of time, one of those vendors was having a conversation with Dr. Noel, who mentioned that, hey, we're looking for somebody, you know, if you know anybody that's looking, um, you know, we need to replace our practice administrator. And um, she's like, oh, hey, you know, I got a resume, I actually got somebody that might be interested. And so she reached out to me, and I forwarded my resume, and I met with them. And that's when um, all things click, to be honest. Um, what Vision Source was looking for, or what Vision Quest was looking for, and what I could bring to the table was just a larger scale, honestly, being with a cor- larger corporate um, optometry practice. Um, and I just had a lot more optical knowledge and leadership experience, um, managing people um, as well, you know, as something I had done for 10 years in, in the corporate optometry. And, um, 
it that that was the perfect match to be honest all all the things checked they wanted somebody to you know work on policies and procedures and you know how could we be better make us more profitable um optical was one of those things and really just a, a lot of the boxes checks on both parts i still laugh today cuz you said why you left a larger organization to go somewhere smaller and i remember sitting in that interview and dr noll he goes are you going to be bored? He's like, you know, this is all we, at this time we only had two locations when I started at vision quest. And he's like, you're used to traveling and you know, you've, you've had 12 locations. Are you sure you're not going to be bored? And uh, almost five years later, I laugh at, and I tell him this like constantly, probably about every quarter. I'm like, remember when you told me I was going to be bored? I haven't been <laughs> bored a day that I've worked here. <laughs> so, um, so bigger is not always better. It's, I think it's finding the right match personally. And, you know, you know, I think Chris and Terry too realized that they were in a place where they had hoped to grow a little bit and I could bring some opportunities to the practice, you know, and strengthen some areas to make that growth possible. Okay. So they had an idea of what they saw to happen. How long did it take before you started seeing things that you wanted to also put your hand into? And what were some of those things? Yeah. It's one of those things. I remember it's like, Hey, you go in. Right. And I think it was the board of directors of Chanel at one point said, you just need to listen for 30 days, 45 days. You don't do anything. You need to listen. You know, you get, need to get to know the practice. And, uh, I, I was like, I'm going to do that. And it was about two days in and I'm observing (laughs) and we've totally missed like, Oh, like there was like, we were missing a vision. It was filing vision benefits and contact lens exams and the staff wasn't doing it. And they're like, we don't do that. You don't file for that. And I'm like, what? you're leaving money on the table. Like, what do you mean? You don't file for that. Like you have to file that exam. You get paid for that. And they're like, no, no, we don't. So it took about two days to uh, realize there were some things amiss that I, I could not let any, I could not sit back and for 45 days, just let things that needed could change like very quickly to do that. But um, so yeah, it was about two days in, but big picture, um, you know, getting to know the practice. Um, there were things just immediately meeting people probably within, you know, three to six months, we certainly started to change some of the things that we did. Um, one of the things that the biggest impact, because I still am. I'm very much um, focused on patient experience. I think when there's a lot of places that people can go, you have to make it seem different. And I wish the general public thought and was as passionate about eye care as we both are, you know, and other people in this industry. But unfortunately, I don't think that there's still a large miss of people who look at who don't look at eye care as healthcare. Um, and so I, we really wanted to be the go-to place in it, in the greater Indianapolis area and that patients, you know, the biggest small practice we could be. And so, um, that was one of the things that we started to do. And, you know, at that time we were Dr. Browning and all the associates and the rest of the doctors in our group were seeing patients every 15 minutes. And we were behind all the time, every day, like just observe, we were constantly running behind And, um, the first biggest thing that we started to work on is how could we see less patients and do more. And so we started to work together and figure out how spending more time with our patients was better for patient care. And it was better financially for the practice. So 
probably within the first three to six months that I was there, we moved practice templates from 15 minutes to 20 minutes and in implemented ways that we would uh, be able to financially be better off. And it, I will say that was a good move for us. We were certainly doing more by seeing less patients. So seeing less people bringing more revenue into the practice. And mm -hmm. was that because now everybody has a chance to make the recommendations that are prudent and necessary? Yep. Okay. So, well, and we realized that what we didn't, when you look at flow, you don't realize we, we weren't giving, we weren't giving our doctors enough time. You know, they always were like, oh, there's two more people waiting. So there was that certain always sense of urgency that they needed to get out and get to the next patient. And the other thing is that we were flooding our optical floor. So we were not allowing our opticians to really get into recommendations and what patients wanted out of eye care and, you know, and in that pair of glasses. So the flow was completely off. The biggest thing was we didn't run behind as much, but our optical floor had a so had so much of a better flow that allowed our opticians to actually have engaged conversations with patients. So our capture rate, you know, really went up. And I think it was just because we had more time to spend with our patients and have better conversations. So each location has two doctors on average per day. Is that right? Yeah, uh, well, one of them does the other, you know, our other East Washington office um, in the area, it has, it's a one doctor office. And then um, hopefully our new office that you mentioned that we just opened in June, um, it's built to have three doctors, um, hopefully. So it's a cold start that our goal is to have three doctors working up there, um, full time at one time, you know, within the next five years. Yeah. And some of the plans that you guys came through, Chris showed it to all of us. It was just phenomenal how you guys have laid that place out and it's just incredible, uh, layout and looks like the flow is going to be brilliant. I can't imagine, um, anyone, stepping in there as a guest and not thinking, wow, this is an amazing, amazing place. Uh, so that's, we did say I have, we got the best compliment and I'll share it. Um, it was probably about two weeks after opening and we had a patient walk in and he came in in the morning and then he sent his wife in, in the afternoon for an eye exam. And we asked, it's like, Oh, you know, how did your husband, what did he think? And he goes, well, he told me it was Apple met meets healthcare. <laughs> that's really, yeah, that's great. And I was like, that's exactly what we wanted. To be honest, we wanted it to feel like a place that you felt comfortable, but yet very cool. Like people think the Apple store is cool. And so when he's like, it's like the Apple store plus like the eye doctor office, it's, it's weird. He's like, you just have to go in and see for yourself. So we, we found that to be a very cool compliment. So you're serving as a liaison between the doctors. And I presume you're also serving as a liaison as well to the rest of the team. So what kind of things are you doing that are helping you unify the group? Because, I mean, you've got 35 people. That's not, that's a kind of an unwieldy mess at some point. How, how do you unify them all on a common goal, common theme, core values, what have you? How are you keeping them in the right direction and everybody on the same page? Yeah. Also, you know, when I started there, the other thing that I wanted to do is kind of put in some management structure into the practice. Cause it's hard for one person to communicate to 35, you know, different people. And, um, so really, um, I, we have each one of our offices has an office manager. Um, and then we have our front desk, our techs and, you know, our opticians and then our associate ODs. So, um, mainly my messaging goes out to all the managers. I meet with them every two weeks. We have a manager meeting and I'm in the, and I travel to each one of our offices. So I am in the office, you know, one of our practicing offices every day. 
Um, I'm a kind of person I, I think you cannot cannot run a practice and look at ways to make the practice better if you're not in the practice. So you have to see what's going on. You have to be in the trenches. Um, you have to coach and and be willing to work side by side with your people. Um, so, you know, that's really how that communication goes. It's, it's a little bit of a trickle down, but if, as long as my three managers, you know, we're on the same page, we talk about what's going on. Um, Ted, you know, in our wisdom sharing meetings, we got what 12 practices in there. Everybody has the same stuff going on. It doesn't matter where you're at. It's all the same. So we we open it up there because I think it lets them feel like they're not alone. Um, And then we, we work through things and then we implement it through them. And then the manager's responsibility is to, you know, share that and coach and then to team below that. And of course, you know, where support is needed, if it's a big issue or something that's really, you know, I wish everything happened the way we wanted it the first time we said it. It doesn't. A lot of things take a lot of time. So that's my role then in the practice is to help the manager side by side, you know, just be that secondary coach to them and another level of support to, to change behaviors or whatever it is we're working on. You know, it's funny. I had somebody told me recently I was discussing, I'm in another idea sharing group. Imagine that. I think I could, if I could do this for a living, that would be great. Just to go from one idea sharing group to the next and just do that. But this idea sharing group I'm in called Business Accelerator, um, that's being led by a guy named Michael Hyatt. And we were, I was having a discussion, like every Monday, they do a and a call for an hour with the entire business accelerator group as many people want to show up i think this morning there was 150 people on this call and they'll take questions after they do their couple of few minutes at the very beginning and i was having some challenge trying to i had i've got one staff member who um had really gotten frustrated with the fact that she would say something as an instruction and then have to say it again and just would just lose it because people weren't you know I told him already, you know, and we've got these other things and, you know, and I said to Michael, you know, this is kind of frustrating for him. He goes, well, Ted, just, just go ahead and presume the fact that they're going to forget to just, just go ahead and presume from the very beginning, they're going to forget because you do, you know, and there's, it's no different for them. So why don't you just go ahead and start there? <laughs> and then it's not nearly as frustrating because you know, they're going to forget, you know? So when you repeat again, you'd say, Oh, that's right. Michael said they were going to forget. So now I'm going to say it again, you know? And, and that's kind of a, what you just, what you were saying would just reminded me of that because yeah, I think one of the titles that we all need to, to embrace uh, is not the CEO or the COO or the COFO, CFO. It's the CRO, the chief reminding officer. Yeah. And part of that isn't always about policies and procedures. Part, part of it is, just the day-to-day culture things, because if we haven't said it enough, they're not going to embrace it. They're going to go into their own culture if we just let it happen. Yeah, you know? absolutely. I, we, we're big proponents of that. We have to set um, set the way we want it to be done, you know, and keep talking about it and live it ourselves every day and keep reminding. Otherwise, they're going to make their own alternative universe. Uh, you know, that's just how it's going to be. So um we do, we have great people too. So, uh, but that's, that's my role, you know, is really reminding the staff and being there because you, they do forget and it's hard to change behaviors, right? 21 days to build, to change a habit. So um, it, it takes time. Um, 
sometimes I have to remind myself as an Instagram, I'm an Instagratification kind of person. So Mm -hmm. um, if you ask my parents, they would tell you I wasn't born with a lot of patience. (laughs) Um, Ask my husband. Somehow I have three kids, three boys. So they uh, absolutely um, have taught me a little bit more patience, but you just got to stick with it. And, you know, we're in the practice where it's the little things. There are no more big things for us to be really great. It's the little things. And you have to remind yourself that the little things, they're hard and they take a lot of time and you can't give up. And, you know, that's what we focus on every day. And that's what with our management and then our doctors and really just trying to, you know, develop our our team to, to realize that we see what they see and that it's not my, it's not me. It's not Audrey who wants to do this. It's not Dr. Browning who wants to do this. It's, this is what our patients want and how do we get them involved to be a part of the solution? Um, and that, you know, and engage our management team as well as our associate and ask them to engage the associates. How do we, how do we come together? What's everybody's role in this? Because if I go out there and say, Hey, we're doing this, they're going to forget a lot more and a lot faster. So um, that's, that's kind of my role is to really get the whole team engaged in the focus of what we're trying to do, whatever that may be. So I'm glad you said it's what our patients want, because this is leading right into something I really want to dig into. Who the heck is Ashley? How did y'all find her? Why, why do you care what she thinks in the first place? Uh, I want you to dig into that because this is a really great thing. And I'm talking about even talking about the, how you figured out who Ashley was too. Yeah. Um, so it was a really great consultant talks about who do you want to build your practice around? Um, so actually, uh, that's an old, um, and I won't say old and he still talks about it to this day is a big Gary Gerber thing. Like if you're going to grow, grow your practice, who's your demographic, like do things that you want, do things that the patients you want to see, you know, we all have patients right in the practice that we love our favorite patients. Then we all have our patients that are a little bit more difficult. Right. So, um, we named Ashley, like our practice is built as how can we see as many Ashley's as we want. And, um, we, Ashley for us is a, she's changing a little bit what we thought, but Ashley for us is a, is a 33 to probably 50 year old woman because in healthcare, who makes the decisions in the practice? Mom. Um, yeah. And you know, everybody's Ashley or, Marjorie, I think you said you have a Marjorie. Is that Marjorie? Um, Everybody's is different and there's no right one or wrong one. It's, it's whatever you're really trying to utilize to, to grow your practice and who you want to be, you know, the biggest um, patient base that you carry. So Ashley for us is, like I said, she's mom. Um, We feel like in private, you know, practice optometry and, the hard patients are the old patients, right? That's the patients that take the longest because yeah. disease, you know, it's not, I, I think I'm not a doctor, but I've been around enough optometrists. I think I could play one on TV. I'm pretty confident about that, but um, probably better. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about that, but I could play, I could play one on TV. Um, but it's, it's the disease and, you know, we like treating it and it's part of what we do and, and we want it in our practices but man, it's so much easier to see a 35 year old, you know, minus two myo that has no medical problems. Right. Yeah. And who wants to buy their annual supply of contacts from you in three pairs of glasses. Right. It's so much more profitable to see that patient too, than 
you know, the 70 year old glaucoma suspect or glaucoma patient. Right. So, um, so we, we absolutely, you know, are passionate about medical eye care at vision quest eye care. However, we do not want that to be the driver of our practice. We still want to, you know, how do we grow routine eye care? Well, mom makes the healthcare decisions. If she's a mom, she has what kids. Exactly. So, um, and if mom's going to come in and has a good experience, then she's going to bring her whole family and she's probably going to make dad come in too. Right. So Ashley for us is that 33 to 50 year old mom. And we are, our practices are very much in suburbia, um, you know, all around Indianapolis. We're in the suburbs of Indianapolis. Um, our practices are very much, um, we know we are very fortunate that our practices are financially stable. Like our communities are financially stable. Um, so that's a, that's a plus for us. But with that becomes there are certain things that that mom wants. She's college educated more yeah. than likely. And she's really, really busy because she's got two or three kids who are involved in every single activity that you could possibly think of. And we need to make, Ashley feel like this is her practice. Like she's going to get the best care. Her kids are going to get the best care and then she can go about her day. So that's Ashley for us. So did with that in mind, is that why you started uh, shipping Ashley's glasses to her? Yes. To to make it simple for her. Uh, I mean, so, I mean, literally, do you start asking every question? Well, is Ashley going to like this? Yes, we do. I mean, everything that we do is whether Ashley's going to like it. Um, It's easy. Ashley is me. I'm Ashley. I fit 100% Ashley. Um, I live here. I I live, you know, in right in the middle of where our practices are. Well, one of our practices, but um, we do. And and I try not to make it so personal, but, you know, and most of our staff is Ashley, to be honest. So we, we ask those things and everything we do when, when we designed our new office, we're like, is Ashley going to like it? What's Ashley going to think, you know, does we don't want it to look like her house, but does she feel like it's new because Ashley likes things that are new. Like she, she's, she likes technology. She needs things quick for her. What's simple. And yeah, shipping, um, shipping glasses and doing the curbside pickup all became for us, a local grocery store is Kroger. Right. And I was in the parking lot and I'm Ashley, like, I hate going to the grocery store because I never get to go by myself. And then I have three kids so it's like ugh, getting in the group, mom, I want that. I want that. I want that. I want that. And you're like, no, I just want to go. So it's like, you know what? I'm done. Like, when do I go to the grocery store? I want to go home. I, you know, I got to pick up my kids who has baseball practice tonight. Who has this going on? When do I get time for myself? When do I get a workout in, you know, and do all of these things. So for me, the grocery store pickup was like, I'm sitting there. And one day I pull in and I'm like, yeah. God, I'm eighth in line. There's four spots and there's like four people are in those spots and there's four of us waiting. And I'm like the eighth person. And I'm like, man, what is she doing? Like Ashley doesn't want, Ashley wants things. She don't want to get out of her car. She wants it now. Then COVID came, right? Yeah. Ashley really likes packages delivered to her door. <laughs> so, you know, I, I don't know if most of you guys have seen those memes. You're like, I have so many packages. I don't even know what I'm ordering anymore. I don't even know what it is. Well, that was me. And, um, you know, 
I was able to get groceries delivered and it was the best thing ever. I mean, it seriously saved me an hour out of my day, not having to go to the grocery store, have to wait in line to have them picked up. Don't tell Kroger. I, I pay more than the $9 it costs just to have them ship because it's a huge convenience factor. And we feel at this point, Ashley really is about convenience because there's not enough time in her day. So we do ask Ashley and shipping to glasses was one of those things where like, does Ashley want it? The labs today, they do a great job. I mean, almost all the jobs come in correct. You yeah. know, if you can have that, you know, frame manufacturers today, it's not like they used to be. So most of the jobs in what we started looking at in our own practice is like, man, most of the jobs fit. It was minor adjustments right. that needed to be done. So, you know, what happens to Ashley, right? She's at home on Monday and it's fine a day where she has time to do anything she wants to do. But Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday are like completely booked. Who calls? Vision Quest Eye Care calls on Tuesday to tell them her little Johnny's glasses are in. And now she's got to figure out when to go to Vision Quest Eye Care. When instead they could have just arrived on her doorstep that same day. And now Ashley can pick when she wants to come back for that minor adjustment, not waiting longer to get the product. Right. So basically you have just cured Ashley's problems. I mean, you've, and that's, you know, really you're only as good as the problems that you're solving. And mm-hmm. so if you've solved that problem for her, you've literally created time for her. How valuable are you now? You know, because you've just created time. You've done something that no one else can do. Right. And for us, I hope, I hope there's no listeners here in uh, Indianapolis, but for us, for now, screen them out that way they won't get it. Yeah. Okay. Make sure. Yeah. Don't let them on here. But um, no, I mean, it's been fantastic because they're like at their mouths drop open. Like what? Oh yeah, absolutely. That's fantastic. And really the other thing is, you know, people move, right. Things happen and you move areas and um, we've had patients who have moved, you know, 30 minutes away to a different community and it keeps them tied to us because now they can still get what they want from vision quest without having to make, you know, that 30 minute drive or because they move to a different town, we can still be their eye care provider, um, within a certain, you know, area. And it's still convenient because they're only coming to hope, you know, see us once or twice a year, and then they can still get their products, you know, to their door. So that's, that's Ashley, the way our practices look. Um, and, and I won't take all the credit, Um, we certainly have a really great marketing team. Um, that was helpful for us. Um, a a local marketing team really helped us identify and, you know, who Ashley is down to the car she drives, the neighborhood she lives in, um, to really set other aspects of our practice up, you know, the design of our new office, um, the messaging that goes out, um, you know, what is Ashley, when COVID happened, what did Ashley want to hear? You know, what message did she want to hear from our doctors? What was important to her? Um, And so we certainly, you know, send out marketing to all of our patients, but those are the biggest drivers. And those are the questions that we ask centered around that patient base. Because if we're not, you know, our vision quest was started 23 years ago. Our goal is to keep it as current and not just let the practice age with the age of the practice? How do we get new people, new patients into the practice um, in the next generation? And that's how we stay viable as a private practice by keeping new generations wanting to come into our practice. This is really getting into the weeds a little bit, but uh, this is, 
this is the part where I always tell people this is $10,000 worth of free consulting for me. It has nothing to do with anybody else listening. I really don't care if they're listening at all. But um, so my question really is um, what percentage are you guys aiming for in new guests to know that you're growing at the right rate? Yeah. So, um, math, it's been a long day. I've been at you work. Can ballpark it. I know you can ballpark it. it. Yeah, it is. Uh, um, yeah, I was going to say 20%. So that's, you know, 20, 25%. If we can get 20 to 25% of our patients to be new every month, then we feel like that's a success. At what point does it get to be too? I mean, this sounds crazy, but where is it? Where is it too many new guests? And now you've suddenly you're alienating your existing guests. I mean, so what's that number ballpark? Uh, you know, I don't know. I, we, we're not there yet. So that's not okay. a problem we've tried to solve, to be honest. Um, you know, we certainly in our practice feel like we are not at capacity at any of our practices. So um, we do, our, our growth is a 20% growth over LY. So we don't want new patients to fill in if we see 20% new patients, but our overall growth is flat, you know, to LY or below that 20, then we lost some patients somewhere. So we really, we want to see, we want to see a 20% growth in patients overall to the practice. And we're hoping that 20% of those are new patients. And that way, as long as our, um, capacity and adding, you know, we have room for another associate, you know, OD and to see that that's what we want. Now, if we saw 20% new patients and, um, but our patient base as a whole was flat, that'd be a problem. Yeah. So we're, we're talking at the very beginning of the year. I mean, it's the fourth, you know, of January, 2021 what's on the horizon for you guys? And I don't mean just this year. What, what are you looking at in the future? What's, what's next for Vision Quest? For Vision Quest, what's next? Um, you know, we certainly, we just opened that brand new practice. So for us, it's a lot of focus and to grow this cold start practice that's on the horizon. And um, that's, that's a big focus for this year um, in 2021 is, is to grow the new practice that we just opened. And I think, how well and successful we are at growing this practice will tell us big parts in the future as what our potential continues and could still be. Um, I, we're not going to be a practice that we, you know, we don't have goals and aspirations to have 12 different offices, you know, or grow like that. That's not who we are, but we certainly feel that, um, we do things a little bit differently with a little, with patient detail and the patient experience and not arrogant, but we're confident that we can provide the best patient eye care that they've never had before more than the general practice. And um, our goal is to, is to treat people and, and make people in the communities where our practices reside, that we are their go-to place for eye care. And so I think that that's where our focus is. And that's what's on the horizon is to continue to serve the communities um, that our practices are in and provide the best patient care um, and eye care for those patients in that area, in those areas. So where are you going for your ideas on other aspects of your practice. I mean, what, what are you looking to outside for your influence? I guess you would say, where, where are you getting those kind of things? 
everywhere and anywhere, <laughs> to be honest. Um, I, you know, I personally, like, I can't wait to get back to the wisdom sharing group, you know, those meetings that we would have there. Um, they're fantastic. Um, there's so many good ideas. That's like free consulting for us. Um, right. so you know that, um, I, I do listen to your podcast, you know, so the, you have like, there's just, if you look, there's, we have a consultant, you know, we, we partner with power practice and do things like that. So those are things that we do to try to, you know, gain ideas. Um, we certainly aren't the smartest people, but our ears and eyes are always open. So we want to steal the good ideas and leave the bad ones, you know, and see how well we can implement those. So yeah, it's, it's kind of funny. Um, you know, all the people in, in most optometry school classes, that graduated at the tippy tippy top with the exception of maybe of Mick Kling and a couple of those people. Um, I don't know what they're doing, you know, but uh, there's a whole bunch of us middle of the road people who are doing really well, you know, and I think it's, I think it's because we were never afraid to go, well, I don't know what's the answer to that and look at somebody else and ask them a question, you know, and then go, Oh, okay. And just maybe let's try that and see how that works, you know? And, and next thing you know, suddenly, Oh my gosh, that worked. Uh, who else could I ask? You know? And I think that's, that's part of it is just getting past that whole ego of, I know everything and you know, you can't tell me anything. And so that's, I think that's really probably the best thing about, and I, and it's one thing I do love about our group too, is the fact that there are so many people in that room who have no ego whatsoever and they don't mind saying i don't know or what are you doing and how did you or figure that do out this. oh really yeah or don't idea. do that yeah that's <laughs> that was those are some of the better ones too you know because yeah. um you know but gosh if it wasn't for, for poor old russ i mean i mean he's brilliant but gosh he's kept us all out of jail <laughs> <laughs> i know right i know it's uh so I don't know. Um, but certainly, um, I hope I've met so in, in being the CEO of vision quest, I've certainly had the opportunity to meet a lot more people, um, and just, you know, connect with different vendors and, um, build connections over the course of the last four and a half years. And I think really that's, that's been the biggest instrumental part because our, our ears are really always open. I don't know. Um, but we are certainly not afraid to have all, like, we don't need to have all the answers. We just keep looking for them. Um, and I think too, you know, we're not afraid to make a mistake. We, I, I, we've talked a lot about a lot of great things that have happened in the four and a half years, you know, that have been at vision quest. There's certainly just as many failures on top of it. So you're right. You know, in the eye care industry, those guys that were at the very top were women. I don't know. The eye care business is a very unique business industry in itself is that, sometimes I think it's like the best communicators and the people who are great at building relationships and not afraid to ask questions or have a conversation. Those are the, those are the ones that seem to do the best because they're the most relatable to everybody else. So we'll continue to keep doing that at vision quest. You know, one of the things also that tends to make us great, I think, um, you know, those who are trying to learn and learning from our mistakes, but another thing that I see a lot of great leaders and a lot of great organizations do is they stop doing some things. What do you, or is there something you guys have been doing up to now that y'all are saying, okay, this is probably it's outlived. It's, it's time maybe this for this necessarily to end at this point. Hmm. What have we stopped? Oh, we've stopped a lot of things. Um, 
think you stumped me on like a right, you know, something right off the top of my head. Uh, gosh, what have we stopped doing? Because like, you know, if we, if we continue to keep doing everything that we've always yeah, we been doing, no. uh, I would still be trying to become a professional football player. I'm not built for that at all. Um, you know, I'd, pr- I'd have eight people attached to me possibly that would have a rom- that would be terrible. Eight romantic relationships. Uh, that would be awful. <laughs> Feedback. Um, or if, you know, I think I, we stopped trying to, to, you know, we stop trying to be bigger than who we are. You know, we just take everything day by day. You can't, Rome wasn't built in a day, right? So, you know, we obviously have goals and, and we're very, you know, business oriented and we focus on the future, you know, as well, but we, we don't make it bigger than what it is. You know, to, we, today is still about, take, today was all about taking the care, care of the patients that we saw today. That's what we needed to be on, our, like what we needed to focus on. So for us, um, and I'm not saying that we were there, but we really have stopped just trying to make everything perfect. You know, we're just being better at implementing the things that are important and letting those smaller things on the priority list, you know, stop creating lists with 20 different things to get done. Let's focus on three things we want to get done and let's get them done. You know, when the list gets to 20 things, it's now it's just about do this, do that, do this, do that. And you're just checking boxes and it's nothing gets done. We just check the box. Yeah. Three is a magic number all the way around. That's, that's a, that's a good one. Um, so one last thing I want to ask, and this can be, doesn't have to be professional. This is, this can be personal, whatever, but can you share one really big win that you've had over the last 10 months since COVID began? Um, one big win that I've had. Yes. Um, the biggest win I have is during COVID, my husband and I, we bought a new house. We moved, we got a new community. We did this with three kids in the middle of COVID. Um, and, uh, we're just, we're very excited. Um, in the last, I think it's been since we moved in September. So our biggest focus personally um, has been just making our new house, our home. And, you know, my husband and I are very like hands-on. We love projects. We like to do things ourselves. So it's been, um, I give my husband a little, like most of the credit, I'll take a little bit, but we, I think we painted like all 4,400 square feet of the house ourselves wow. because we just were like, what else are we doing? It's COVID, right? So I have to be safe. I, I can't go out and mingle with the masses. So that's that's been exciting for us over the course of the last, you know, not 10 months, but um since September. So what, four months. So that was exciting. And then I think personally, this isn't my win, but I'm a huge like sports fan, like huge. And, um, I was a diehard San Diego charger fan my whole life. And they traded my boy, Phillip rivers to the Indianapolis Colts. So this season I've actually been able to be a hometown fan of my team because my boy's back on the Colts. So it's been, and and they made the playoffs yesterday. So it's, it's been fun. Congratulations. Congratulations. <laughs> well, Audrey, I really appreciate your time this afternoon. And I, and I, I got to tell you, I can't wait till we're all face to face again instead of face to screen again. But uh, because the, the time I get to share with you guys in Houston is phenomenal. And it's not just about the learning that we do. It's just just hanging out and having a good time. And that's I hope that some of that came across today to the rest of you guys, too, because we really do enjoy having We have a blast in that. We really do. And maybe then we we don't have to worry about 
going to where where were we at Dave and Buster's or someplace like that, and we don't have to worry about catching something. We can go have a good time again. So. I think what I, yeah, I think I'm just going to suggest this time that they just get a couple of big pit. Um, like big grills to pull in. We'll just grill behind the uh, home office and just have some fun. That'd be a lot of fun. Absolutely. Fantastic. Well, thanks so much for having me. My so, pleasure. I really appreciate it. My pleasure. And uh, we'll talk very soon, Audrey. Thank you. Sounds great. Bye, Ted. Bye-bye. This was awesome. That was great. Thank you. Well, are you sure? Because I thought it was terrible. <laughs> no, it was fantastic. I mean, I'm just, I mean, this is this is the kind of stuff that's really, really good. I mean, because I like just digging into just little all this stuff. I try to keep it to not a whole lot of topics. You know, I don't want a whole bunch yeah. of stuff because it it's a little easier to talk about it. Um, but th- this is exactly the kind of stuff I enjoyed. Just, this is fun to me. I, I'm, yeah. I'm, well, you made it very comfortable. I told you I was nervous. I was like, if I sounded like if I, if you no. say it back and it sounds terrible, like just edit it out, or don't <laughs> throw it away. So. It's going to be fine. In fact, um, I'll, I'll probably, as long I'm as I don't to, sound like an idiot. <laughs> no, you don't. And, and I'll try to get this thing edited by this week and get a cut, get it back to you so you can take a listen and see if it's okay for you. I've got a, um, I've got one I'm going to do Thursday with a, a guy that's in our business accelerator group. He is at least one year ahead of me, maybe two. Uh, this guy's name is Bobby McGraw. It sounds like a great name, doesn't it? it yeah. Like right. Pitcher for, for the, you know, some, some big baseball team, but anyway, Bobby is a, uh, executive pastor of a, let's call it a almost mega church in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. And he's, he's just this really incredible just dude. I mean, and I can't wait to dig into some of the things. One of the questions I can't wait to ask him is like, do you just get invited to just go and pray for people? I mean, <laughs> I mean, every time there's a meal and somebody's looking around for somebody to do a blessing, do they always look at you and you feel a little weird when that happens? <laughs> so. That's awesome. That's awesome. I do envy you a little bit. Cause I bet you get to have like phenomenal conversations. Like I <sighs> did, I, I shouldn't have listened. I, I did. I was like, listening because I was behind. And so I was like, ah, oh, you know, the last podcast, I think I was listening to your one with Lori oh, on Fearless was Leaders. And I was phenomenal. like, yes, that I shouldn't have listened to that one. Cause I got all nervous. Cause Lori's like, great. I mean, she's, you know, f- super fantastic already. And I was like, oh, great. Like you shouldn't have listened to this one. But, um, I was like, oh, you get to listen and talk to like the best people. And really, that is, that's how, that's where we've gotten most of our ideas, like listening to people who are better than we are.